Well, good morning, everybody. I'm glad you're here at the campus at North Richmond Hills, or if you're watching online, it may not be morning where you are watching, but thank you for joining us. My heart is full this weekend. Uh, for one reason, I was really blessed by the men's conference. It was a powerful experience. And I know a lot of you, men and women, spent a lot of hours making that feast possible. So if you had a part in the behind the scenes for the men's conference, I just want to say on a part of a lot of guys, thank you very much. Also, my heart is uh, full, yeah, because I got online this morning and we've already read as a church 41,000 chapters of the Bible in just two weeks. So church, get it up. If you don't have your string yet, get your string, get the word out to your friends here in church, and let's get into the word. I'm loving the comments I'm seeing on the website, onemillionchapters.com. And you know my favorite way to preach is just straight from the word. That's another reason my heart is full. So open your Bibles to the first chapter of the book of Acts. We're just going to unleash the word of God. We're going to dive right in with verse 1. In my former book, Theophilus, okay, don't dive too deep, i got to stop. Because some of you have never read the book of Acts, and so you're thinking, what do you mean, former book? Well, you might know there are four gospel accounts of the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Acts is the sequel to the gospel of Luke. He's writing someone named Theophilus, and he calls him in Luke, most excellent, which was his title, you see later in the book of Acts, for a Roman official. So he's writing to a Roman official who wants to know about Jesus. And he says in Luke, I've done my research, I did my interviews, I've done my homework, I'm going to tell you the story of Jesus. And so, think about this, 30% of your New Testament is one man writing to one man to tell him about Jesus. Which ought to tell you how important just one person is to God. So, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid them from their sight. And they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way 
you've seen him go into heaven. And so one man is writing to one man about one man. Because what Luke is doing in the book of Acts is just finishing the story of Jesus. Look back with me at the very first verse again. He said, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. You see, the reason we have the book of Acts is because Luke says the story of Jesus isn't finished yet. Now, you're thinking, but didn't Jesus say on the cross, it is finished? Yes. Jesus' work on the cross is done, but not his work in the world. It is true, the Hebrew writer says, Jesus offered for all time one sacrifice for sin. That work is done. You cannot add to the saving work of Jesus, but... Many can still be added through the saving work of Jesus. And so Jesus is now ready to unleash the mission of letting the world know that what his death made possible is now available. And Jesus thought the whole world needed to hear and to believe and to live in response to what Luke put In volume one. And so he says, go tell people to the ends of the earth my story. Well, Jesus, people at the ends of the earth already have their own religions. And don't you know all roads go to heaven and all religions are basically the same? Well, apparently Jesus doesn't agree with that. He knows they have religions. He knows they already have gods. He says, go tell them about Me, you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. And the reason this will work is because in the very first verse, Luke says, Jesus is still at work. Luke never calls what we call the Acts of the Apostles that title. Because as far as he's concerned, he's just continuing the story of Jesus. See, the story of Jesus isn't finished until you hear what Jesus is doing in the power of the Holy Spirit through his church. I hear people all the time, I don't like the church. Just talk to me about Jesus. I just like Jesus, not the church. Well, according to Luke, you don't know the whole story of Jesus if you don't hear about the church. Because the church is how in the power of the Spirit, Jesus is finishing the story. It really is a great commission. It is a co-mission. We are doing this with Jesus. And it's not just that he's beside us. He is inside us. That's why this is doable. Because our work now is to witness to Jesus' work. In the power of the Spirit. Jesus isn't asking us to do something for Him. He's asking us to do something from Him. You will receive power. And you will be my 
Witnesses, not judges. Jesus did not send you into the world to judge the world. That's God's job. Not prosecutors. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict of sin. He is sending you and me into the world to be witnesses. It's not what we do. It's who we are. And so maybe you heard the story of the preacher at the back of the church greeting everyone as they left. And he said to one man, friend, you need to join the army of the Lord. And the man said, well, I am in the army of the Lord. And the preacher said, then how come I hardly ever see you at church? And the man said, well, I'm in the secret service. Okay. I'm going to ask you a really serious question. Listen close. Are you really a Christian? If nobody ever finds out. Based on what we just read. Are you a Christian? If nobody ever finds out. So some years ago I was reading an article in the Dallas Morning News. About a very famous college football coach. That was taking his team to a very prestigious bowl game. Now, I knew something about the coach because I had two good friends who were Texas high school football coaches. And they had recently gone to a conference where he was the main speaker. And they came back and they told me he was, without question, the most vulgar and profane man we have ever been around. So I was surprised in the article when the journalist said he is a Christian. But maybe the next line helped explain. He is a Christian. But he is not the kind of Christian that would ever let you know about it. And it was clear the journalists thought this was a good thing. That's what the world needs. More Christians that don't ever let anyone find out. And I'm going to ask you again. Based on what we read in Acts. Can you be a Christian? If nobody ever finds out. Faith in Jesus is personal, but it cannot be private unless you are completely quenching the Holy Spirit. Because if the Spirit in you is unhindered, then witness has to be unleashed. For example, in Acts chapter 4, the apostles are brought before the religious authorities and they tell them, you stop Talking Jesus. And they respond, we can't help it. We cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. That's what a witness does. I'm going to tell you what I saw and what I know. And Jesus is launching a global witness relocation program. And notice... He doesn't talk like this is going to be impossible. Now, these guys are uneducated. They're poor. They don't have resources. They don't have status. They don't have connections. Jesus says, go change the world. You've never heard of George Danzig, but he's touched your life. He was a brilliant statistician whose discoveries have affected the airline industry, the shipping industry, even the way businesses do revenue projection. You know how it all started? He's in college. He's in a stats class. The teacher puts two unsolvable problems on the board. 
George comes in late to class and thinks it's homework. So he takes him back to his dorm and solves the problems. Because no one told him it was impossible. And Jesus doesn't say, guys, I don't know if this is possible. Jesus says, guys, this is going to happen. Because I, through my spirit, am still at work in my church. The world needs a Savior. And the Savior needs a church. And the church needs a witness. And that's you and me. You don't have to go to seminary to be a witness. You don't have to have a degree in theology to be a witness. You just need to be able to say three things. Here's number one. Jesus is risen. It says that Jesus presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. The arguments for the resurrection are compelling. They are convicting. They are strong. They can stand the test of inquiry. There's no better explanation for the missing body of Jesus than the possibility of resurrection. And they went into the world and this dominated their preaching. They did not go into all the world willing to die to talk about a dead guy. Their courage tanks were full because they knew the tomb was empty. And so their witness was not just about what Jesus did, but about what Jesus is doing. So is ours. When we talk Jesus, we're not just going to perpetuate his memory. We're going to celebrate his reality. We're going to talk about how the living Christ makes a difference in my life. My marriage is coming back to life. My struggle with addiction is going away. When I go through a tough time, I don't give up hope. I don't live in despair. You know why? Because the living Jesus is working in me. The same power that conquered the grave lives in me. Death doesn't have the last word. And you don't have to settle for status quo about anything in your life. If Jesus is alive. So let me ask you, how can you not talk about that? How can you hold your tongue if you know a man the grave could not hold? Paul put it like this. It's written in the scriptures, I believed, so I spoke. And our faith is like this. We believe And so we speak. Well, what do we believe and speak, Paul? We believe that God raised the Lord Jesus from the dead. And we know that God will also raise us with Jesus. There was a great minister in England in the last century named William Sangster. Later in his life, he developed progressive muscle atrophy. Began to use the use of his arms and his legs, even his voice, his throat muscles uh, went away. And so it's Easter morning, a few weeks before he died. He couldn't walk. He couldn't talk. But he could still write. And he wrote his daughter these words. It's a terrible thing to wake up on Easter morning and not be able to shout, He is risen. But how more terrible to have a voice and not shout it.
We can tell our world Jesus is risen. Even death bows to him because he's Lord. And that's the second thing we say. Jesus is reigning. It says he appeared to them for a period of 40 days and he spoke about the kingdom of God. And I didn't know if you're aware that when Jesus preaches the gospel in the gospels, this is what he always talks about. The good news to Jesus is the availability and the nearness of the kingdom of God. He says, I must go to all the towns and talk about the kingdom of God. Matthew 24, he said, this gospel of the kingdom must be preached to every nation and then the end will come. And so when Jesus preached gospel, he didn't just preach savior, he preached sovereign. He didn't just preach get saved out of, but he preached get saved into The good news is there's this reality called the kingdom of God where your life is lined up with the purposes of God, where the abundant life you were created for can be realized, where you can live your life with meaning and eternal purpose. And Jesus says, it's available. It's here. You can have it now. And they wouldn't stop talking about this. In fact, you get to the end of the book of Acts and says Paul is in prison and he witnessed to them from morning till evening. Explaining about the kingdom of God. Because you see, Jesus isn't just rescuing us from death. He is saving us from a wasted life. Why do you want to spend all your money and all your energy and all your time on a life that's just going to burn up? As we heard this weekend, guys, we can live a better story than that. We can give our lives to things that matter for eternity. And how do you do that? Well, Jesus says, simple. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. The world needs to know you don't have to live in bondage to things that are eternally trivial. You don't have to spin your life on some wheel like a hamster just wearing yourself out for what ultimately isn't going to matter at all. There's a better life than that available in Jesus. We can live better lives. We can live better stories because we can choose a better kingdom. And if you feel like you're stuck and you can't have that kingdom, I'll tell you, Jesus is reigning. That means he can overrule anything that's keeping you in bondage. Secretary of State George Shultz had the habit whenever an ambassador from our country was sent to another country to come by his office. He had a globe in it. And he would say, go point your country out to me. So if you were going to Tanzania or Madagascar or Uruguay, you'd go show where your country was. So he brought in Mike Mansfield, who was being sent to Japan, and said, show me your country. And he turned that globe, and he pointed straight to the United States and said, this is my country. In other words, you might send me anywhere in the world you want to send me, but I know where my citizenship is, and I do too. I am not an American that goes to church. I'm a Christian that lives in America. I can live anywhere in this world, and I know where my kingdom is. And one day, that kingdom is going to come to the earth like it is in heaven. You know why? 
because Jesus is returning. And people need to know that. As Jesus ascended, the angel showed up and said to the disciples, why do you just stand there looking in the sky? Okay, angels cut them some clack. They've never seen Jesus do this. I mean, come on. I've seen him walk on the water. I've seen him do some stunning stuff with fish and loaves. But I've never seen him just do the whole levitation thing. So I'm going to stare a little bit. But okay, after that, the angel says, this same Jesus that you saw is going to come back from heaven just like you saw him. Now, why is that important? Here's why. Because what you believe about the future is determining and shaping right now how you're living in the present. How much you think about the future shapes who you are in the present. Do you know why most people live ungodly lives? Well, why not if this is all there is? And if this is as good as it gets? Paul talks about that in Philippians 3. He talks about people he calls enemies of the cross. Here's what he says. They're headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. In other words, all they can think about and all they live for is whatever the flesh says I want now. They brag about shameful things. Why? They think only about this life here on earth. But we're citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives And we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. The world needs to hear. History isn't just going in meaningless circles. It is headed to a very definite destiny. The triumph of Jesus Christ. And people need to hear this sooner than later. The early Christians lived in the future tense. When they saw each other, they would say, Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. It wasn't just a greeting. It was a lifestyle. It gave their witness a boldness and an urgency. Because here's the thing, folks. When Jesus returns and all this crud on earth that we thought was so important gets burned, what's going to last? What? right now, in this earth, is going to last into eternity. People. And a spirit-filled disciple wants a heaven filled with people. And so they don't spend their time looking up into the sky, but they spend their lives looking for opportunities to talk Jesus. So I'm going to ask you one more time. Can you be a Christian if nobody ever finds out? I'm going to tell you how Dietrich Bonhoeffer answered that question. He was a pastor in Germany arrested by the Nazis because he would not stop talking. And he said, there's no such thing as secret Christianity. For either the secrecy will destroy the Christianity or the Christianity will destroy the secret. Okay, do me a favor. Get your Bibles out. I want you to turn all the way to the end. Go to Acts 29, okay? Everybody open your Bible to Acts chapter 29. Okay, have you figured out a problem yet? 
There is no Acts 29. But when you read Acts, you feel like you ought to, because look how the book ends. This is the last verse of Acts. Chapter 28, Paul's in prison in Rome. He's proclaiming the kingdom of God. He's teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. He just stops. Luke, what happens to Paul? What happens to the other apostles? Why do you end the book so abruptly? Here's why. Because Acts is not finished. The story of Jesus at work in the church in the power of the Spirit is still getting told. And what Jesus said was going to happen is happening. He is being taken to the world. Do you know at the start of the last century there wasn't a single Christian church in Seoul, Korea? Today there are 7,000 churches. Do you know at the start of the century the Southern Africa was 3% Christian? Today it's 63% Christian. Do you know more Muslims have come to faith in Jesus Christ in the last 25 years than in all of Christian mission history before that? In fact, Indonesia, the nation with the most Muslims, they're now 15% Christian and the Muslim government won't publish the stats anymore. Do you know in China, there are more Christians than there are members of the Communist Party. And soon there will be more Christians in China than any nation on the earth. Did you know 80,000 people a day are becoming Christians? 500 churches a day are getting started. You know why? Because Jesus isn't finished. Because in the power of his spirit, his witnesses are talking Jesus all over the world. And Acts is just breaking out. Jesus is risen. Jesus is reigning. Jesus is returning. And we have a witness to unleash. So... Turn to your neighbor and say, let it go, let it go. (laughs) And do you realize that when you turned to your neighbor, you did turn to Acts 29. Because we are the next chapter in the story. They say in most lifeguard stations on the beach, there's a little poster that simply says, if in doubt, go. Don't wonder if someone needs to be saved. If in doubt, go. I don't want you to feel guilty. But my guess is even as I have preached this morning, the Holy Spirit has put on your heart somebody that you especially can talk Jesus to. After our first service this morning, I met a woman from China. It wasn't that long ago she had never heard of Jesus through the awesome Let's Start Talking ministry now, she's a follower of Jesus. And she says, I walk down the streets of my city 
by all the hordes of lost people. And I weep. And she started crying. You know why her eyes are filled with tears? Because her heart is filled with the Holy Spirit. Who are you crying for? Who do you wake up for in the middle of the night and say, Oh, God, they need Jesus. It's not what we do. It's who we are. We don't need a degree. We need more of the Holy Spirit. So, would you bow your heads? I'll finish the prayer, but you start it. You ask God for greater filling of the Holy Spirit to witness Jesus to your world. Oh God, we believe Jesus is risen from the dead. We believe he is seated over every throne and we believe he is going to return and every knee will bow. But help us get what we believe from our heads to our tongues. If God is for us, who can be against us? This is mission doable so fill us Holy Spirit come quickly Lord Jesus Amen let's all stand up now we've got people upstairs and downstairs that are prayer warriors they've got badges on I just want you to come to them you might be dealing with something today that has nothing to do with this sermon that's okay we want to pray for you You might want to ask someone to pray that you'll have more courage to be a witness. We want to encourage you. And I know the Holy Spirit has been working on some hearts. And today is the day somebody's going to say, I confess Jesus. I'm going to get baptized. I've got a new king. Please come.